Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Pack of Ragamuffins. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading. The cock once said to the hen, It's now time when our nuts are ripe, so let us go to the hill together and for once eat our fill before the squirrel takes them all away. Yes, replied the hen. Come, we will have some pleasure together. <laughs> then, <laughs> are you enjoying this so far? This is, I mean, yeah. Wow, this is the best start to the story. Then they went away to the hill, and because it was a bright day, they stayed till evening. Now... I do not know whether it was that they had eaten till they were too fat, or whether they had become proud, but they would not go home on foot, and the cock had to build a little carriage of nutshells. (laughs) (laughs) Stay with Adam, stay. What is this story? When it was ready, when the little uh, nutshell carriage is ready... He's just fashioned that, yep. The little hen seated herself in it and said to the cock, You can just harness yourself to it. Ha! I like that, said the cock. Yeah, I would rather go home on foot than let myself be harnessed to it. No, that is not our bargain. I do not mind being coachman and sitting on the box, but I will not drag it myself. As they were thus disputing, a duck quacked at them. (laughs) Quack, you feeding folks. Who told you you could go to my nut hill? Well, (laughs) you shall suffer for it. (laughs) And he ran with open beak at the cock. He ran at open beak. (laughs) But the cock also was not idle, and fell boldly on the duck, and at last wounded her so with his spurs that she begged for mercy, and willingly let herself be harnessed to the carriage as a punishment. So they've had a little scrap. Yeah. And the the duck is lost, and now the duck is harnessed, (laughs) pulling the nut carriage. The little cock now seated himself on the box and was coachman, which was his original wish. And thereupon they went off in a gallop with, Duck, go as fast as you can! When they had driven... (laughs) This is mental! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when they had driven a part of the way, they met... Well, just wait. <laughs> I just wait, Adam. There's a duck pulling along a two chickens in a homemade carriage. What is this? Of nuts. When they had driven a part of the way, they met two foot passengers, a pin and a needle. <laughs> they cried, stop, stop, and said that it would soon be as dark as pitch, and then they could go not a step further, and that it was so dirty on the road, and that they asked if they could not get into the carriage for a while. So they've, they've met a pin and a needle who are hitchhikers, basically. Of course. They had been at the tailor's tavern, you see, by the gate, and they had stayed too long over a beer. And as, <laughs> of course they did. It happens. You know, fair enough. It's yeah. Friday night. Uh, and as they were thin and did not take up too much room, the cock let them both get in. But they had to promise him and his little hen not to step on their feet. Because they're sharp. Because they're a pin and a Smart. needle. Late in the evening, they came to an inn. And as they did not like to go further by night, and as the duck also was not strong on her feet and fell from one side to the other, they went in. The host at first made many objections. His house was already full, and he thought that they could not be a very distinguished bunch of persons. But at last, as they made pleasant speeches and told him that he should have the egg which the little hen had laid on the way and should likewise keep the duck which laid an egg every day, he at length said that they might stay the night. And now they had themselves well served, and they feasted and caroused 
Early in the morning, when day was breaking and everyone was asleep, the cock awoke the hen, and he brought the egg and pecked it open, and they ate it together. Uh, but uh, what? But, but what? Just, what? But, no, <laughs> no. Is that the part you've got an issue with <laughs> in this whole story? <laughs> They're eating the hen's egg that she laid on the yeah, way. Yeah, this is yeah. not okay. That's a yummy breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> that is not okay, guys. <laughs> Stop, cut it out. And when they finished the egg, they threw the shell on the hearth. Just, that's just, think, just keep that in mind. Okay. Then they went to the needle, which was still asleep, took it by the head and stuck it into the cushion of the landlord's chair. And they put the pin in his towel. And at last... Without much more ado, they flew away over the heath. Now, the duck, who liked to sleep in the open air and had stayed in the yard, heard them going away. And she made herself merry and found a stream down which she swam, which was a much quicker way of travelling than being harnessed to a carriage. The host did not get out of bed for two hours after this. He washed himself and wanted to dry himself. But then, as he was drying himself, the pin went over his face and made a red streak from one ear to the other because they put the pin in his towel. After this, he went into the kitchen and wanted to light a pipe. But when he came to the hearth, the eggshell darted into his eyes. Whoa, what? What? This morning, everything attacks my head, said he, and angrily sat down on his grandfather's chair. But he quickly started up again and cried, Woe is me! For the needle had pricked him still worse than the pin, and not in the head. Now... No, in the bum. In the bum. (laughs) It's cheeky. (laughs) Now he was thoroughly angry, and he suspected the guests who had come so late the night before. And when he went and looked about for them, they were gone. Then he made a vow to take no more ragamuffins into his house, for they consume much, pay nothing, and play mischievous tricks as thanks. The end. the table what 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 just happened what what the heck what is that story <laughs> what that's becoming your catchphrase Adam. What? yeah i mean did I, it did it make sense no <laughs> okay <laughs> so appreciate your honesty uh just going from the end backwards for a second why did because the pins at the pin and the needle are mm. like mm-hmm. sentient, mm. right? Yeah. Why did they just stick around in the chair and a towel? Oh, that is. Why didn't they just leave? That's covered. They were asleep. Oh, they were asleep, Adam. Pins and needles sleep very soundly. <laughs> very soundly, even when they're being jammed into a cushion. <laughs> and I like the the idea that's like careful where you stand. Like a pin and a needle's basically got one very spiky foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's mad, isn't it? it uh, yeah, you can say that again. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> you can say it again if you want. It's mad, mad isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, right, and this is the bit I don't get. Yeah. They leave the shell there, and the landlord wakes up. They're all gone. Yeah. He walks into the other room, whatever it is, yeah. and the shell jumps at him. Yeah. What? What? How? Is the shell alive now? I don't have a personal hearth, <laughs> and I've 
never put a eggshell on the hearth that I don't own. But I'm guessing if you do, they kind of pop and explode and they might sort of fly out of the hearth. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing it's like a ticking time bomb. It was just left there. They've take they've and eaten all the egg contents. Yeah. And it's just an empty shell. Yeah. And it's ready to blow. It's ready to go off. <laughs> and it goes off in his face. As soon as he walks in. <laughs> yeah, good timing. Goes and in his eyes. sits on a pin. And then he vows... To never take a pack of ragamuffins in ever again. So, in a sense, he doesn't want their kind in. They convince him to. But because yeah. of one bad experience, he's decided never again. Yeah. So, in a case, it's, it's either... It's like created or maybe reinforced the prejudice that he's got. Yeah, it's, it's less sad, isn't it? It is sad. And it's a bit vague, like, how do you mm. determine a ragamuffin? Yeah, I mean, so he sees a cock, a hen, a pin and a needle and a, and a slave duck. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> I don't like the look of this bunch. No. <laughs> but yeah, how, I mean, what's giving away the fact that they're ragamuffins? Like, we know that they act very badly. <laughs> if humans were doing all that, so sort of rob, robbing someone's nut hill, having a fight... Strapping a carriage <laughs> to a human. Like, to a human or a duck. Yeah. If I call, pulled into a pub car park on a homemade <laughs> nut carriage pulled by a duck, I don't know if they'd let me in. Exactly. <laughs> you know, their behavior is pretty bad, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So he's like, this is a bad bunch. Yeah. Oh, go on, I'll let you stay. Oh, look what happened. Typical bad bunch people yeah. you shouldn't trust. So Exactly. It's quite a... It feels allegorical in a way. Like, it yeah. feels like you can draw a direct parallel to life as it is. It's saying, don't trust dodgy looking but people. But is it saying that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, what do you think? I mean, sure, sh- on, the, on the face of it, that's exactly what it's saying. On the face of it, yes. Because yeah. it wasn't right to leave that pin and needle there. No. Um, was it wasn't naughty. right to dine in Dash or sleep in Dash. Um, <laughs> wasn't right to eat your own egg. No, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> downright illegal <laughs> so I guess that's sort of what's going on in a very crazy story really right? that's the idea because it's so, it's such a complete world isn't it it's like we've really entered this world where there's a universe where there's ducks hens cocks, sentient pins and needles pins and needles and, and they ride in nut carriages that's normal yeah like you know the, the innkeeper doesn't think I'm tripping my nuts off yeah he thinks oh, I don't know look at them <laughs> So for him, it's normal. Yeah. So it's a really complete little universe, but it was a very short little story as well. But it packs a punch. Does it? Did it? I did, did for me. I really like that. Only ah. be, mainly because um, it's weird. And often the weirder, the better. I think we've, we've mentioned previously that the measure of some of these stories, you, know, you use a different yardstick. Yeah. If it's, some of the stories are really long, protracted adventures. Yes. And if you enjoyed it, as if you were invested in the adventure. Yes. Some yeah. of them are really short and completely insane. Yeah. And the measure of if that's good is, did it sort of slap you around the head, make yes. you go, what the flip is going yeah, on? Exactly. So Laos and the Flea is kind mm. of of that ilk. Whereas the wishing table, the gold ass and the yeah. cudgel in the sack was like a really long story that you got really invested in. Um, the only other thing I thought about this story, apart from, you know, dodgy company, bad people, don't let them in. No, the moral you could squeeze out is the early bird catches the worm. Okay, interesting. Because it specifically said the innkeeper didn't get up for two hours. Right. So it's like, they were up early, I guess because he's a cock, so he's always up at the crack of dawn. Yeah, true. Crowing away. Yeah. So he gets, they get up early. So first yeah. of all, they get to the nut hill before the duck. This is what I was going to say, yeah. So mm. it started off with them getting the nuts early, yeah. beating the duck and the squirrels <laughs> to it. 
Yes. Because they That's wanted true. to beat the squirrels, didn't they? So the duck was a thief as well. Yeah. But duck he said mine nut hill, didn't he? Yeah. Well, actually, oh my goodness. I mean, maybe it's the duck's nut hill and the squirrel's always taking them. Possibly. So the cock and the hen are like, let's get there before the squirrels have their fill. Yeah. And the duck's like, what are you doing? Hey, whoa. Everyone, leave my nut hill alone. <laughs> what is a nut hill? <laughs> so, no, what is a nut hill? <laughs> is it a oh, hill with nuts on? Right, so in my head, they're at the top of a hill and there's some nuts there. Yeah. But maybe a nut hill is like, it's a, a flat surface. It's just a pile of nuts. And yeah. they're just like clambering over the, the piles of nuts. So who left them there? The duck? I don't know, Adam. That doesn't solve that, does it? No. No. It's going to have to remain unresolved. <laughs> Case remains open. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, early bird catches the worm because okay, also they get, they get up before the innkeeper as well. Yep. So they get to sort of have Escape. their egg and, and head off. Have their egg and eat it. What? Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh, that's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Just had my egg and ate it. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh dear I'm not sure there's much more we can mine out of the surface of that story no um, where would you tell this story like if the idea is people are telling these stories around the fire uh-huh. can you imagine sitting down with your family after dinner let me tell you a story kids <laughs> <laughs> there once was a cock and a hen and they wanted to get some nuts <laughs> but that duck was not happy uh, it's just yeah bizarre. it is bizarre isn't it I, I, I can't see how this story was pieced together over time because in some of the stories you have a formula don't you you have a tailor or a prince goes on a journey and an adventure and he gets some magical helpers who help him sure. and he marries the princess and you can yeah. kind of have variants of that whereas this is just i guess that's what i was saying it's a complete universe it's very odd i can't i can't see this sort of spreading by word of mouth and and right yeah getting little bits attached to it, it just i can't break this, this story complete, down yeah. anymore does that make sense yeah I'm just thinking this off the top of my head. Do you, do you think I'm right? I think, you know, you can't No, I really think you're right. No, because yeah. it does feel like, I mean, how would this have evolved from anything else? And it's not a standard fairy tale template. It's just kind of bizarre. But, I but all the it. better for it, I think. Absolutely. The source of the story so speaking of you know where did it come from the source of this tale for the brothers Grimm they collected it from a chap called August von Haxthausen mm-hmm. so ragamuffins that is the name of the story <laughs> isn't it Adam <laughs> ragamuffins the pack of ragamuffins the pack of ragamuffins as now, I said at the beginning the Grimm's German title is Das Lumpengesindel and I think the meaning is probably lost in translation because there are many, many, many different English translations. It looks like no two are ever oh, okay. translated the same. So, for example, some of the English translations okay. of this story. First of all, get ready for this. The Adventures of Chanticleer and Partlet, Part 1, How They Went to the Mountain to Eat Nuts. Whoa, whoa, Part 1? Well, okay, dog ear that. We're going to come back <laughs> to that later. Chanticleer? We've so, talked about Chanticleer, have we? Or? Dog ear. Okay. That was... Edgar Taylor's translation from okay. 1823. Right. Uh, I'm doing these in uh, chronological order. Okay. The Pack of Ragamuffins was from 1884. That was Margaret Hunt, who we read. Yep. The Vulgar Crew. The Vulgar Crew. <laughs> we the Vulgar Crew. Um, by some people called Magoon and Crap. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> from 1960. <laughs> uh, don't laugh at Mr. Crap's name, um, please. Yeah, I'm sorry. Please, please. 
A Pack of No Goods. Oh, A Pack of No Goods. Ralph Mannheim, 1977. Riff Raff, Jack Sipes, 1987. And finally, The Pack of Scoundrels by D.L. Ashley Mann, 2001. So... Out of all of those, let's go back to that first yes, translation. Yes, Chanticleer Part 1, uh, Travel to the Mountain or whatever it was. The Adventures of Chanticleer and Partlet. That's how it was first translated into English when sh- the translators took great liberties with the text. Mm-hmm. So when they first were translated, often the translator would just completely change the stories, right. rename the characters. And actually we found that to our detriment in the very first episode of Grim Reading yeah. when we were reading out some of the titles of the stories. We did. Uh, initially, I thought, you know, those are pretty weird names. Chanticleer, Chanticleer yeah. It rings a bell for some reason. Chanticleer. Yes, and I don't know why. Well, I'm not sure we've ever read that before, but you might have heard it because Chanticleer is the fairy tale fable name for cocks. Right. Much like Reynard is for foxes. Yeah, okay. So if they ever appear, if a cock ever appears in a fairy tale or myth or anything, it's called Chanticleer. Interesting. Yeah, it's good to know. However, the hen is called Partlet. Partlet, which all I found was that that's a fashionable sleeveless garment from the 16th century. Oh, yeah. Uh, part, the Partlet. So I'm no, I've no idea why she got lumbered with that name. Interestingly, it's not interesting, but Matt and I are from uh, Sussex, East Sussex. Yeah. And the counties in the UK have a flag, and the flag yeah. of Sussex has six birds on it, and those birds are fictional birds called Martlets. And it sounds a bit like partlets. Adam, this is why I love doing this podcast. <laughs> I find out so much stuff. Doesn't matter how much I research, Adam's got some information in the bag. I didn't know that the martlets on the flag were fictional birds. Did you not? No, I had no idea. You know the flag I'm talking about? It's got yeah, yeah, yeah. little yellow birds, yeah. They're not real. Sorry, listeners, I've just looked up. Martlet. And basically, that is the name uh, for a heraldic symbol often used in England. And there's the Melet in France. Right. So actually, we're getting some similar names for some other fictional birds. Yeah. This is huge. Stop the press. <laughs> Stop the press. <laughs> this is massive. <laughs> Stop everything. That's so cool. Okay, so... That's pretty cool. Presumably yeah, so Partlet, Martlet, there might be a similar etymology there somewhere on the line. Fictional maybe. birds. Yeah. Interesting. So, the subheading that you were most interested in... Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, because I've got questions. <laughs> Part one, how they went to the mountain to eat nuts. <laughs> okay, so it says... Okay. So, Whoa, slow down, Adam. There's a trilogy. That is possibly the best thing you could say to me right now. They're my favourite characters ever. Chartacle and Fartlet. Yeah. What, these, these little ragamuffins? <laughs> yeah. In the last episode, in The Golden Goose, we discovered the Simpleton trilogy... Yes, we did. You've stumbled upon another trilogy, Adam, I immediately. Keep, I love these trilogies. This is mad. So we've had um, the Fox Quadrilogy, and we've had Thumbling's Adventures. Yeah. So we've only ever had two um, series previously. And You've instantly, in series two, found two brand new ones. Amazing. Can I hear the titles of part two and three, then? <sighs> yes, you can. Yes. And now, it might give away a little bit of the stories. Okay. Part two. Yeah. Of the Adventures of Chanticleer Partlet. <laughs> My favourite film series of all time. How Chanticleer and Partlet went to visit Mr. Corbs. <laughs> Mr. Corbs. A.K.A. Her Corbs. Or sometimes it's translated Mr. Corbs. Mr. Corbs. Part three. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm really excited. How Partlet died and was buried <gasps> and, and how... <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. How, how Partlet died and was buried and how Chanticleer died of grief. <laughs> no! No! A.K.A. the death of the little hen. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty big spoiler. Ooh, First the Nut Mountain, then Mr. Corbs, and then they both die. <laughs> what a life, though. You it's can't like deny Shakespeare that. Shakespeare or something. Um, Wow. We were told, oh, look at this pack of ragamuffins. If that was a standalone story, it'd just be like, that was a bit weird. Yeah. They weren't very good people. But actually, maybe we get to know a bit more about Chanticleer and Pilot. <laughs> and maybe they feel guilty about what yeah. happened at the inn. They're like, that was a delicious egg, but I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't really. have done that. What were we thinking? They have another run in with a duck. Maybe the duck is Mr. Corpse. <gasps> oh, I've ruined it. I've <laughs> ruined the story. Everything. I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow. For new listeners, I just like to say, I don't know anything about these stories either. It's not just that I, I read them all and I'm reading them to Adam. Yeah. I've never read any of them. Yeah, I only yeah, read yeah. them after we choose them. So, I'm so Matt comes excited. to the episode prepared, but prior to that, he doesn't know these stories either. Yeah, you might not realise it, but I am prepared. <laughs> <laughs> So those are the translations. Uh-huh. We read the pack of ragamuffins, though. That was the one we went for. And as there's not much out there on this story uh, that I could do research on, because I do come prepared, yep. I started to fixate on the word ragamuffin. Yeah. It's a weird word. Isn't it? Muffins. <laughs> so I've got a few um, juicy ragamuffin facts for oh, you. Oh, yes. First of all, I just want to ask Adam, what does the word ragamuffin mean to you? Um, what does it mean to me? What does it I guess it conjures up something. What does it conjure up? I think it's mostly to do with appearance. Mm-hmm. In the way that if I was scruffy as a kid, maybe my parents would have called me a ragamuffin. Like, oh, you little ragamuffin. It sounds like I grew up in Victorian England. But uh, you know Ex- what I mean? Someone exactly, who's a bit yeah. scruffy. Um, exactly. It, it has a real Dickensian, Victorian it does, association, doesn't it? Yes. doesn't it? A little scruffy kid going, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> yeah. Be off with you, you little beggar. Little yeah. ragamuffin. That's the main image that comes to mind. So Victorian, yeah. I guess, like yeah, a little exactly. dirty child. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is a strange word, and that's reflected in its etymology. Oh, is it something to do with methods? <laughs> well, <laughs> hold your horses there, Sonny okay. Boy. Hold your duck. Hold the duck. Um, the first appearance of the word ragamuffin that we can date back is yep. from William Langland's Middle English alliterative poem, Ooh. Piers Plowman. Page Turner. Here's Plowman. <laughs> Written in the late 14th century, in which it appears as the name of a demon. Oh. Demon called Ragamuffin. It also cropped up in Shakespeare's Henry IV, Part Three, in 1597. So there's obviously two clear parts to the word. You've got Raga and Muffin. Exactly. So Raga, this overlaps ideas of devilish and scruffy. So to do with appearance, as you okay. said from about the 1300s onwards. Muffin (laughs) is a tasty treat (laughs) one might have for breakfast. Muffin may be from the Middle French word or Norman word for the devil, malfelon, or else it might be from Middle Dutch, moof or mitten. Right. Uh, To answer your pressing question, though, the word muffin related to a cake has a different root. I think 1703, it started to be used. Yeah. So ragamuffin comes from like the 1300s. Oh, muffins, muffins much for a cake. 
is first identified in 1703, and right. it's related to Mufin in French. Oh, Mufin. M-O-O-F-I-N. Or possibly, apparently, the low German Muffin, or Muffin, with uh-huh. an E-N. Okay. So that's the etymology of the wow. word ragamuffin for you there. So we might think Cockney chimney sweep. Yes. But the real question here, Adam, is what do ragamuffins have to do with American national holidays? What? <laughs> uh, good question, Matt. No idea. <laughs> no. What do ragamuffins have to do with American holidays? This is like national the worst holidays. pub quiz of all time. Fourth of July. Uh, no. Thanksgiving. Yes, bingo. Okay, Thanksgiving. In the late 19th century and early 20th century, a strange Thanksgiving practice emerged okay. in America. Kids started to dress up in poor clothes and went out and pretending to beg, asking strangers to give them a gift. Oh. This was a practice known as Thanksgiving masking. So you would dress up for Thanksgiving. Right. This practice became so popular in the early 20th century that it led to parades in cities and towns of children dressed like they're homeless. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> and Thanksgiving was even dubbed Ragamuffin Day in New York. Oh, wow. I've actually got a picture here from uh, the early 20th century in New York of kids dressed <laughs> as ragamuffins. This is going to be good. So here you go. That's the kids dressed as ragamuffins. I'm just handing the what? images to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah, they look pretty homeless, don't they? Yeah, which is really weird. Definitely not something you do today. No. But interestingly, this is essentially late Victorian era. You know, there or thereabouts. Yeah, just after. So it's not like they're harking back to anything. This is contemporary. That's true. true. But it was in America as well. Yeah, yeah. That's really weird. (laughs) I think we should pop that uh, photo on Twitter or something. All right, sure. It's great, isn't it? It's (laughs) amazing. So I'll ask you again, Adam, what does what do ragamuffins have to do with American national holidays? Now you know. I do. If that comes up in a quiz. <laughs> okay, moving on. We we're not done with the word ragamuffin yet, okay. sir. Ragamuffin music. <laughs> okay. Ragamuffin music is a Jamaican subgenre of dance hall which uses electronic sampling along with US hip hop influences. What? <laughs> it emerged in the nineteen eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, and according to worldmusic.net. The music deals with topics such as cocaine, guns, and sex, a reflection of the state of affairs in Kingston at the time. So, wow. <laughs> it's often shortened to the word ragga, but it. it right, so I've heard of ragga. It's just a shortened version of ragamuffin. Almost like reggae, but ragga. Okay, interesting. I mean, good topics they're dealing with, and it sounds like an interesting mix of styles. So, there's a little look at the strange English word ragamuffin from. Uh-huh. A medieval English poem to 1980s Jamaican music. But not by way of a lovely French or German sweet troop. But by way of a German fairy tale. There we go. That's a bit of a journey of yeah. the word ragamuffin. Um, what do you think of the story? What score could you give it? Okay. I really enjoyed the story. And do you know what's going to boost this up? What? Knowing that there's two more. And it's part of a trilogy. <laughs> the characters are not cloying. They're not pious. They don't have the, like a sort of cliched morality. They're just a bit nuts. 
Like, <laughs> you know, they're sort of like, they're quite terrible people. Well, not people, are they? They're chickens and, uh, but... Stay focused. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on in my head. Okay. Chickens, ducks, so I know, needles. So they're they're really like, interesting mm. three-dimensional characters is what I'm saying. <laughs> the cock. It's yeah, an interesting three-dimensional character. <laughs> he is. It's very layered. <laughs> Uh, no, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And it's not like the fox. Lo- you know I love the fox. Yeah. We've had the fox before. But I, he's got very clearly defined characteristics and you know his place in this story. Yeah. Um, Which these are more ambiguous yeah. as characters. Mm, I get it. That's what makes me like it. Shall I give it a st- score? Yeah, sure. I'm going to give that an eight. Blimey. I really enjoyed it. That's huge. Yeah. Is that, is that, I feel like it's because it's whetted your appetite and you're kind of... It has. You're basically saying, I want more. Yeah. Give me more. Yeah. You're giving the green light to the sequel. What say you? What, what are you going to go for? Uh, I feel like you're going to be lower. Oh, maybe. I, well, I hadn't planned to go that high, but like I said, I'm n- I never plan beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give it a seven. Oh, okay. Because I did enjoy it. And... It occurred to me as we were chatting that, yeah, it is a really complete story. Yeah. It's, you, you can't sort of um, break it down and rip out the constituent parts. It's a really, really cohesive story. Yeah. And actually, I am really excited about Mr. Corbs and right, yeah? the death and burial I of mean, they've, they've not quite nailed the idea of wetting the appetite. They've basically put the storyline in the title. No. <laughs> People weren't so mad about spoilers back then. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Kids, you want to hear a story? Yeah. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you the story of a uh, chicken that dies and gets buried and <laughs> cock that dies of grief. All right. Do you want to hear what happens? Oh, dear. So that's a cool 15. It's a very cool 15. Nice. So we have a Patreon. Uh, you may have heard in the previous episode or not if you're just dipping in and out. We're back with Series 2 and we now have a Patreon. If you head to patreon.com slash grimreading, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a bunch of different tiers there. We've got elves, foxes, wolves, and huntsmen. So if you want to head on over there to see what that's all about, what those different tiers mean, we've got a bunch of benefits there. We've uh, collaborated with a, an amazing yeah. designer. We're we? super excited about yeah. this. A designer artist called uh, Ruth Spear, she's made us an amazing little logo for the podcast. Yep. And we've got that on uh, some mugs and T-shirts. Yep. It's got like the logo and then it's got both of us there. And then it's got some like animals from the stories in the background. Rapunzel's Tower. Tower, Yeah. Pretty cool. And we've got other benefits over there on our Patreon, such as a bonus podcast where I read Matt Aesop's fables and we just talk about them. We've already recorded an episode and uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did one. Adam gave me a bit of the history of Aesop's fables, where they come from, who was he? All very interesting. But it's a really um, relaxed, chilled out little forum, the Grim Stable, yeah, the Fable Stable. We might talk a bit more about what we've discussed in Grim Reading, and it'll probably take shape as we go along. We're learning as we go. Yeah, exactly. We've done the we've done the we've done the first one, which as, as soon as you sign up to the tier where you can get that, as soon as you sign up, you'll have instant access to the first one. And after that, we'll be releasing about one a month, I think. Yes, is that's the, the idea. Yeah. We're kind of trying to figure it all out, but it's a bit tricky. Uh, we're spinning a lot of plates. We're getting there. And another plate we're spinning is that over on the Patreon, we will be having a poll. Yes. Where you will have a chance to choose the stories that we read on Grim Reading. So the idea is, I'm going to choose several stories. I'm going to choose three stories. 
and then the fourth one will be chosen by patrons. So uh, Matt will pick a story. I'll pick a story that we want to hear. And then you'll be able to choose from either one of those. You won't know who chose what. You decide what you want to hear. And when it gets to it, we'll announce that. And that'll be the fourth, every fourth story that we read will be chosen by you. We're very excited about that. That is for all Patreons from $1 upwards. Yes, exactly. So if you give $1 a month, you'll have access to that poll. Yes. So, Adam, do you want to reveal the two stories that our listeners get to choose? So, the two stories that you'll be choosing from on the poll, if you head over to patreon.com slash grimreading, are The Twelve Huntsmen and The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs. So there's The Devil with the Three Golden Hairs oh, and... Reverse order. <laughs> I know, I've mixed it up. <laughs> oh, impressive. And The Twelve Huntsmen. Hey, so, professional uh, broadcasting there. Look at that. From Mr. Field. So you can pick either one of those. Which one do you most want to hear? Yeah. And that will be the one that Matt reads. I'd like to say now, two cracking stories, like two exciting titles. Oh, yeah. Hopefully you guys or some of you guys will be interested in it. If you're not, no yeah. worries. Carry on listening to the podcast. This is just to help us out, really. And um, keep getting in touch as well, please. Yeah, please do. Speaking of which, excellent segue. Uh, we've got a lovely message from Anne Kristen, who says, Hello, Matthew and Adam. I love listening to you discovering the world of Grimm but not always grim, with nice. one M, uh, tales for the first time and getting your fresh view on a topic that is dear to my heart. <laughs> As my grandmother lived in Hanau, the city where the brothers were born, wow. I was exposed to their fairy tales and their legacy from early on. Listening to my grandmother's favourites, Red Riding Hood and The Fisherman and His Wife, visiting the Bruder Grimm Machen Festspiel, an open-air theatre festival, then reading the whole of the final edition as soon as I was 12 and quickly falling down a rabbit hole after I realised that all of the editions were available on Wikisource. So cool. Unfortunately, only in German. So a huge shout-out to the German Wikisource volunteers. Yeah, yeah big time. Amazing. I've, I've found that, actually. You have every single uh, version, because they release seven versions of their fairy tales, and they change them every single time. Yeah. And all of them are available on the German wiki source in German. That's fantastic. Not for us. No, not, I mean, it's great for them. <laughs> but yes, well done, wiki source volunteers. And in, uh, she carries on to say, currently I'm pursuing a bachelor's degree in German and English studies mm. where I have taken some courses concerning the Grimm's as well as folk and fairy oh, wow. tales in general. So if you have any questions regarding earlier or future episodes, I'd be glad to help out. Fantastic. Maybe take you up on that. Another offer of help, which is very much appreciated. Very politely suggested. And Kristen continues, a question I recall where the Taylor-related sayings are actually used in Germany. Yes, do you remember that? I think it was Thumbling as Journeyman, maybe? In my research, I came across the idea that you say freezing like a tailor as like an idiom in Germany. Yeah. You say it. Because they're poor, basically. Yeah. That's what I said, at least. Yeah. Frieren wie ein Schneider is definitely something I've heard before. Generally, the trope of the poor, starving tailor is becoming less popular as the historical background is fading from popular consciousness and mocking the poor is no longer seen as politically correct. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, like, ra like ragamuffin day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really awful now I think about it. <laughs> Narratives that paint them in a sympathetic light, like many grim tales, e.g. the brave little tailor, are still well known, however. Kind regards, Anne Kristen Pfeiffer. If you don't know how to pronounce it, just say Anne. Well, 
we'll we see. went for it. You be the judge. Adam went for it. So yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a really lovely message. Well, I'm just, it's amazing to hear that people still love the tales, but it's also so cool to hear from someone who's from the place exactly. where the tales were And to know that that collected. history is still part of that place. That's really interesting. It is and interesting, yeah. I'd really like to hear about the, um, the tailor. I'm very happy I'm vindicated about the tailors. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. And actually, tailors come up a hell of a lot in the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, in this story, we had the pin and the needle from the tailor. They were drinking with their tailor True. or whatever. I found out that there are 10 stories with tailors in the tales. Wow. And that is third place for character. Okay. So there are two other types of characters that appear more than tailors. Prince? Princesses? Oh, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. Also, I've forgotten. But that's amazing. So, yeah, you do say freezing like a tailor in Germany. Mm. Thank you very much, um, Anne Kristen, for that message. That yeah, a lovely message. Thank you. And thanks t- for everyone who messaged in. Thanks very much, everyone. So, what do we have next time, Adam? Do you remember? Next time, mm. we'll be hearing the three spinners. The three spinners. A.K.A. Nasty Flex Spinning. That's the bit you're excited about, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> nasty Flex Spinning. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll be in two weeks' time. We'll be back We're back to our re- regularly scheduled programme. That's hard yep. to say. So until then, keep it grim. Yeah, keep it grim. I'll see you soon. See you then. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>